1984, we got the first Terminator movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as an assassin sent back in time to kill Sarah Connor, who was one of the biggest threats for machines to run the world. And the movie spawned many sequels, but there's nothing quite like Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Released in 1991, it is regarded as one of the best films of all time. So how do we feel about it, especially now that we went back in time and checked out the original film and now we're checking out this one? Let's talk about that right now in another exciting episode of A Cast of the Past with a brand new episode each and every Sunday. And this is part two of our series where we are going to be reviewing all of the Terminator films. We started off with the first one from 1984. Now we're going to talk about the 90s. Eventually, I feel like the rating scales are going to be dropping lower and lower and lower with yours truly. Juan Velas from Puerto Rico joining me. We have Keith Hamilton from London, Ontario. Uh, Keith, uh, when was the first time that you watched T2? Honestly, I haven't the slightest clue. At some point between... I... I imagine I was around, like, low teenager years. I definitely didn't see it uh, for a few years because the thought of the Terminator freaked me out. Just having seen those images of the uh, the exoskeleton on the side of, like, arcade machines, much like yourself, Juan. There's a good story in the archives about that. But when I was old enough to really enjoy the movie, that's when I've seen it. And I think that's why I regard this movie so highly. And now we have from Boston, Massachusetts, Ryan McNulty, same thing. Uh, when was the first time you checked it out? I have no idea. I, I saw it at <laughs> home. Off to a good start. Yeah. Folks. I mean, we, I was very young <laughs> no when knowledge. it came out. What? So I watched it multiple times on TV growing up. I, I can't recall the first time I ever watched it all the way through, but I know before we went and rewatched it now, my first time like fully remembering the full movie was actually, I rewatched it, that and um, the third movie right before Terminator Salvation came out. So that was the first time where I'm like, okay, I've pieced together this entire movie and now I know why it's so great. And everybody, before we delve into the rest, uh, if you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're there. And if you're on podcast feeds and you like it, uh, please leave a five-star review, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn. And this is a, a movie that I feel like everybody has to check out. I, I studied uh, film production in college, and it was one of the films that they said, okay, you got to check this out because it's not just about the action, it's about the story. It's also about uh, practical effects. Uh, this movie got a much larger budget than the first one, right? The first one was more of an experimental thing, but here it became a spectacle. So obviously they had a lot more to work with, but still they did a lot of things that did not have to do with uh, CGI and all of that stuff. But just generally speaking, starting with uh, Ryan, what did you think about uh, T2? It's one of the greatest sequels and action movies ever. I don't know. Did this come out in a summer? Is this like a summer blockbuster film? Because it certainly feels Correct. like one. It came out on July 3rd, 1991, at yeah, least in this, Canada. This is like the perfect summer blockbuster movie. And there's very few, I think, movies on a list of a sequel that not only is like a good complimentary addition to the series, but actually ends up being better than the original. And T2 is in that small list of just fantastic movies that take everything that was cool about the first movie and just makes it that much better. There's way more action, 
Arnold's a way more interesting character. They they raise the stakes. Every, it just it's an amazing movie. It's true. It really does take the best parts of Terminator 1 and just kicks it up a notch and raises the stakes and leaves the bad stuff behind. Like I will easily say that this is a way better movie than Terminator 1 because they take everything out of uh every this movie leaves everything that I don't like about Terminator 1 in that movie like there's no uh it doesn't really kind of uh break up the action with those really corny future scenes they do do some of the future stuff but I think it's handled much better in this movie and then they just take the action that they uh, that they have in the movie and just turn it up a notch like Ryan said like oh, okay we're going to kill 20 people in Terminator 1 well let's add a zero to that and kill 200 <laughs> in this movie and then just it's if you were to make a top 10 list of action movies that you need to turn your brain off and watch i think terminator 2 is very high if not at the top of that list oh yeah i don't even think you have to turn your brain off though it's i don't even i wouldn't even consider this movie dumb like i think yeah Granted, I don't oh, think okay, it's, it's dumb, not the most, but it's not it like an artsy, sophisticated film, but I think it treats things seriously enough. Like, it doesn't take itself too There's seriously. There's a lot of relationship development here, especially yeah. with what's at stake. They could easily have done just a thing of, well, he goes back in time and he's got to kill her in the original one. But here, just think about this premise. In the first one, Terminator, Arnold, he's a bad character. So he is the antagonist of the entire film. They completely flip that. So now it's like, oh, you thought that was the bad guy. Now he's going back in time to save John and Sarah because we have the T-1000, right? The T-1000 is uh, trying to sort of do the work that the original Terminator could not do. And he goes back in time, who John himself from the future, so the little kid, the adult version, went back in time. Uh, I told him, you know, go back in time, save me, save my mom. But the mom, Sarah Connor thinks that the Terminator is still out to kill her. So not only do you have that, you have the T-1000, you have the relationship between Sarah and John, the relationship between the Terminator and Sarah, the Terminator and John. It's like a, a romantic film slash an action film. You gotta, You still have a little bit of horror in there, but there are layers upon layers about this Wait, movie. Wait, where's the romance? <laughs> I mean, like, think about the it's fact more like that a father son thing, yeah. not a not yeah, a romance. It, it is I that, think but think about the mean. fact that if you go back to the first movie, if you didn't get the uh, sexy, sexy moments, a lot of this would not be happening right now, right? So it is a yeah. full continuation. Well, I, I just wouldn't call it anything romantic because there isn't that actual love story, which I like that they didn't feel like they had to force into a movie because that's something that is forced into way too many movies today. Mm -hmm. And I don't disagree with everything you guys are saying as far as there being an emotional aspect to the movie, because I do think it's there and I do think it's done well. I would argue that one of the best uh, scenes in this movie is about that emotional character development. What I meant by it being like a turn your brain off movie is... Do you remember the parts where they're sitting around a camp kind of reminiscing and trying to teach the Terminator human emotion? Or yeah, do you remember I the part do. or do you remember the part where Arnold Schwarzenegger shoots a guy with a tear gas gun and just lobs a grenade almost through him? <laughs> I'm actually going to I think that the reason this movie is so good was just about Keith and you don't even know my friend because 
I think that you and I enjoyed the the same movie, maybe even on the same level, but for very different things. Because my favorite things about this movie, as somebody that checked it out maybe a couple of years back uh, for like the fifth time or something, I love those little things more about the pop culture references and the Hasta la Vista and the I'll Be Back. Like, I love those things more because... Chill out. Exactly. He's, he's a cyborg assassin. He should have no emotions. But the whole thing is that because John is the one that sent him back in time, John realizes, oh, so I actually control him. And instead of doing, uh, you know, just having become a murder machine, he almost like embeds him into current culture, 90s culture. So it's like a great time capsule for even us as we're just going back in time and, and talking about this movie. But it's also like this relationship of like, this kid knows that this is a killing machine. Its only purpose is to go out there and murder stuff, yet he develops um, a bond, me. a relationship. He's a terminating machine. He is on brand here. He, he even corrected that towards the end of the movie where uh, they say, like, is the T1 dead or something? Terminate it. It's like, man, you, you are on brand, my friend. So what would you say was, uh, starting with Keith, something that sort of maybe caught you off guard or something that when you're going back and checking out this movie, you're like, man, not only is it a good action movie, but there's there's definitely other things that piqued my interest. I have to give a lot of points for this movie because I totally forgot, kind of maybe this is my fault, but I did forget about all of that emotional character building uh, between Arnold Schwarzenegger and John Connor, or I guess the Terminator and John Connor in this movie, where I had totally forgotten that they spend a lot of time trying to humanize Arnold's character, the Terminator in this movie, in a way that it worked. It really did work. Uh, I guess the best way to describe it would be uh, in the last episode available in the archives uh, on our Terminator 1 review, I was saying that the Terminator movie works or the Terminator role works so well for Arnold because it doesn't involve a lot of acting. It's just a stone faced killing machine. And then he's just there to shoot the guns and look cool. They managed to do that and add character to Arnold in this movie. And I think they nailed it perfectly. And I think, is that the angle that you guys are going with about that emotional resonance? Because if that is, I can see 100% where you guys are coming from. I think something that maybe I should have done a little bit of research in, I'm wondering how many movies Arnold was in between the first one and this one. Because there's definitely a lot Fact more Fact checker active. to work. Yeah, well, you check that. If there's one thing I love about this movie, they could have easily... Because they went from him murdering, you know, or trying to murder Sarah and John and all that to now he's the the defense force, right? They could have had him laugh out loud, do these funny things, but he is still dry, right? And that takes a lot of skill to have somebody laugh. I was laughing out loud still, but his emotions are still very much not there. He's a neutral force, but it is the bond between John. And you got to give credit for a child actor at this point. He did such an amazing job because he was carrying the emotion that the Terminator did not have. Uh, Ryan, what did you think about that uh, combination between the two? I, yeah, I think the relationship between them is kind of the the like key of the movie. And they do a great job of building that over the course of the movie. Yeah, I think... Um, geez, Edward, is it Edward Furlong or am I going to get that right? Yes. Edward Furlong is the kid who plays, um, John Connor in the movie. And I think for the most part, he does a fantastic job. There are a few moments w that are a little 
eh on on the child acting, but for the most part, I think it's completely fine. Also, his little buddy is from like an old Nickelodeon show uh, I remember, and he does a bunch of voice acting. His like mullet friend or whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, he was on that Nickelodeon show, Salute Your Shorts. I don't know if you remember that show at all. Salute? It's it's old, old, like ninety one, ninety two. Okay, it's what a, the hell is that show about? It was like about shorts. kids at like a camp. It look it up look it up it's it was a weird nickelodeon show but i think he also was a voice actor on tiny tunes but um no i thought uh edward furlong did a great job we know child acting it's it's can be very hit or miss um and i i think that relationship being able to pull that off where arnold is supposed to be this emotionless character i think they did a great job and they they play off each other in, in a in a great way Mm-hmm. I do think it was a bit of a slow start uh, when he was told basically just be a kid. But once uh, once Edward got something to like sink his teeth into and uh, the whole humanity tried to teach this uh, machine humanity thing, I think that's really where he hit and it started to be just good acting, not child acting, because it's kind of rough at the beginning of that movie. And for the record, Arnold was in nine movies between Terminator 1 and 2, including Total Recall, Predator, The Running Man, and Kindergarten Cop. So you can oh. see where he got the acting skill so from. Many it's classics. all Kindergarten Cop. I guarantee you, and I'm not even joking, that Kindergarten Cop actually had to lot had a lot to do with sort of him being able to to change his uh his acting Who is abilities. Your daddy and what does he do? And you know, honestly, if, if you you're right. you think about that, yeah, it, you you bring did, a lot of that. Total in Recall is another. Have you guys seen that movie? Yes, I haven't. You man. need to see that. Let's I just think talk I've about seen the three boobs a little bit now. For yeah, don't don't watch the new one. Watch the Arnold one. That's, mm-hmm. that's oh, the I'll one check out the original one. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But uh, going back to this movie, what was so fascinating to me to go back and look is that you can definitely tell that '90s movies have this type of acting when it's like an action theme movie or something. And we're going to get to this where some actors like Sarah Connor, Linda Hamilton, I don't know if you're related to her, Keith, but Linda Hamilton, who plays Sarah Connor, her acting is unbelievable. She makes or breaks this movie because at no point do you question the fact whether she's gone clinically insane or not because of everything that was happening, right? So she's in the psychiatric facility because nobody believes her. But then throughout the movie, the Terminator actually infiltrates her uh, in, in that place and breaks hell. So everybody's validating, oh, holy crap. So she was actually straight up being real about the things she knew about. Even John, her son, is like, wow, so mom was right all along. And I love that process of like, she is so upset because nobody believed her. But then the Terminator comes in with her son and it's this whole process of, I don't trust you. But then throughout the entire movie, you get to see the bond that John and the Terminator have. And as a result, Sarah's like, okay, he is officially not a threat to the point that they have this interesting scene where she's basically like, you're his dad. You know what? You cyborg, you're my baby's daddy. I want a robot dad. Yeah, I want a robot dad too. It's like, robot no friend. emotions. <laughs> What what would be the main benefit of having a cyborg as a father? He could shoot people in the kneecaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That could happen. Or th- there was that one scene where John directs him to not kill anybody. So I love the fact that 
He technically doesn't kill the guard, but shoots like both his knees, so he can probably <laughs> never walk again. But hey, it's he the, technically uh, didn't kill anybody. It's the Batman clause where Batman doesn't kill people, but he makes sure that they can only eat spaghetti for the rest of their life <laughs> by basically beating them to a pulp. It yeah, falls it, under that. He just has them ride the brink of death, essentially. Exactly. Which brings us to the other character. And I think it is no coincidence that in talking about this movie, it's really easy to talk about Sarah, John, and Terminator. Let's talk about T-1000. So he is the opposing force. He is the equivalent of Arnold in the first movie. And I think that the acting, let's talk about comparing the acting with Arnold and Robert Patrick, because I think Arnold plays the role of a cyborg really well, yet he still has emotion despite his lack of emotions, where Robert Patrick, I feel, he he tried to speak so clearly throughout the movie and his acting kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I forgot that there was something about this movie that didn't click with me. And I'll be honest, it tr totally was T-1000. It was still a great movie, but something about it was a little weird. Uh, what did you guys think about Robert Patrick as T-1000? I agree with you where it did seem a little bit off. To me, I chalked it up to the fact that he was trying to be Arnold from T1, but the fact that he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger almost ruins it. And it's not this, he didn't have the intimidation that Arnold had with him as well. It was just kind of like a bland, stone-faced killer in a negative way when you had such uh, a great evolution of Arnold himself on the other side of things playing the T101. And I was surprised how little he was in this movie because he's really only in a few scenes there's a lot of action that doesn't involve him at all so it's almost kind of like he's a a side like a side point to the overall uh to the overall plot of the movie instead of being the main focal bad guy in uh like arnold was in terminator one and yeah it just rubbed me the wrong way i i personally really like uh, Robert Patrick as the T-1000 in this movie, I think for a number of reasons. The first one being, if you just got another big muscly guy to be this advanced Terminator, it wouldn't I, I feel like it wouldn't work as well. I like that the fact that, okay, T-1000 is a more advanced Terminator. It's, and it's not what you would expect it to be, right? So instead of going with, oh, we're going to make him bigger and more muscular and more intimidating. No, we're going to make him like this average looking guy that has this crazy ability to basically become liquid metal and can is way more dangerous for like the abilities that he has. I also like that since he's a more advanced model, maybe he's just better at acting like a human so that that's it, true, you know he has to impersonate people, right? That's part of his ability. So I think the fact that he doesn't, you know, come off as like, I am a robot. It, it makes more sense, right? He's supposed to be more advanced. He's supposed yeah. to replicate humans better. So I like the direction that they went with him. And I think it works really well. I agree. I agree. So uh, another layer about this movie is that throughout it, this reminds me a lot of a uh, umbrella. When you talk about Resident Evil, I feel like, Every every movie or something that's about the world coming to an end, zombie outbreak or something, there's this large corporation. So here, we definitely hear a lot more about Skynet. Like, this is when it's really laid down that there is this corporation that's out there to do a lot of stuff, and they find this uh, this person that was developing some things that he didn't even know 
that what he was doing was going to cost billions of lives, right? So you add another layer. So it's no longer just about T-1000. And this goes back to, this is a really deep movie because you know who the real bad guy of this movie is? We. Like, human beings are technically the bad guys of this movie because it's like... I thought you meant like the Nintendo Wii. (laughs) Well, that that could be it too because you think about the fact how many TVs were broken with that. They eventually had to hit somebody in the face with it. But what did you think about this shift of, as you mentioned, Keith, he was not in the movie all that much, T-1000. So they made it up with just like... Hey, here's the corporation. Here is uh, uh, Miles. Was the, yeah, the got, uh, yeah Miles Dyson. You have Cyberdyne. Cyberdyne's exactly. like the company that basically creates Skynet, and you have uh, Dyson. And I'm gonna like jump in here and just say that I think Dyson is like the most tragic character in this movie because really the guys just like I really like him because. He's just trying to do his thing. He sees this amazing technology. He's just trying to replicate it. But when they show up to his house and basically try to kill him, he actually hears them out and tries to help them. And I really respect him for that. You would see in so many movies, characters would dismiss it and then it would come back to haunt them or whatever. But poor Dyson, like he accepts what's going to happen, tries to help and he has to die anyway. It's just really sad. He was shockingly okay with home invasion and the fact that somebody put <laughs> yeah. a gun to his child. I don't think he had a choice when no. you have like this, when you see a big robot arm guy coming after you. I, I got to get a jump cut though, because they, we go in like two minutes of the movie from like, here's this woman who you don't know, she's trying to kill you, to then they do a jump cut of him sitting down and you know they just told him everything, right? So well, he's just like, whoa, th- th- I, I have this a question. is heavy. Because did you guys watch the extended edition or the standard movie? Standard for me. I okay. haven't a clue. So I will put it this way. Have you ever seen, uh, did you, when in this uh, watch through, was there a scene where they like, mess with the terminator's like chip in his head or whatever yes i did see that yeah okay that's the extended version oh it is because i actually the the last time i watched the movie i watched the extended edition this time i didn't realize it i i watched the standard one because that scene wasn't there and i was i kept waiting for it to happen i was like they're at the garage isn't this supposed to happen and it never did um so there's actually even i think there's even more scene of um dyson and stuff in the extended edition so i got a little bit less of that but i will say having watched both either version is fine i don't think to like i do like the scene where they they do the whole chip or whatever for him but i don't think the movie changes that much with without it yeah i think it's a really nice bonus but the whole process and i'm I'm glad you mentioned the whole chip thing another layer to this movie is the fact that because john can't control the terminator he can have him do whatever he wants so if they wanted to destroy him it could just happen, right? It could just happen at literally any point. You can't self-terminate. You can't self-terminate. No, you can't self-terminate, but he can, you can make him stop moving and, and everything else. And as you mentioned, in that additional scene, they flat out open him and he's temporarily out of business. So there is even this whole situation where Sarah tries to put a hammer into the chip, which would destroy the Terminator. So it is this a psychological process of John who's the little kid. Um, If uh, anybody watching or listening hasn't checked out the extended version, then please do, because there's just this line of dialogue and the way he delivers it to his mom 
that's just like, hey, if I'm apparently some sort of future leader, then we got to do things my way. But it's how he delivers it as a kid that you see her. And even I went like, damn, he may be a kid, but I, yeah. I got to listen to what he's saying. It's kind of shocking that that's in the extended cut. Because yeah, that's, that's seen uh, that scene was missing from the version i watched this wow because that is a giant like i would say that is the piece of character development to, uh so, development yeah, the, between john and sarah connor in that movie basically that was the original theatrical release was missing that scene so huh. wow that changes i'm glad i watched completely. the extended cut but like i said i still felt watching this version i'm kind of glad i watched a different version um i don't feel like Like I uh, maybe it's because I had seen the scene before, but I do feel like it still was a fantastic movie. Like I, you know, granted, I think that adds another layer that can only be good to the story, but it doesn't like severely impact the movie that it's missing. So something that we haven't uh, spent too much time on is the uh, graphical effects. So. Uh, this movie is uh, one that I studied for a very long time from like special features and all that because there is a lot that once again, 1991, we do got to go back in time and realize that CGI was not this normal thing that they did. And in this movie, you got a lot of stuff like uh, when we're in the psychiatric ward scene, you get to see a lot of these like the T-1000, he goes through these bars and apparently the way that was done is that they just filmed him like in, in both sides and simulating the motion of him going through. And then they sort of faded that in. So it's actually not like super complicated. They added some stuff in between to make it seem good, but it's just a matter of being very creative with the tools that they had. Another thing is that you'll see like uh, when the Terminator shoots the T-1000, they noticeably cut to the part where he already has like these metal parts in his body. The way that was actually done is that they they had pasted that onto his body already. So when they cut, that was already there. So they literally called it the popcorn effect. And this inspired a ton of movies to do that in the future because it was this whole process of, wow, this looks super elaborate. But no, it's just literally just, they, they put something there. They put some like aluminum open. foil on him. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it looks good. It works. Yet yeah. it's like a super simple thing, but... Who, who yeah. knew that that would be so but revolutionary? clearly the big CGI moments are like the liquid metal parts, like when he, or like when he's in the floor in the, um, in the psychiatric ward and he like kind of come like puddles up into a human. And I will say, while it certainly is nothing great compared to what we have today, all, um, it doesn't look completely terrible there are like it looks fine it like it do, does it look amazing no but it looks fine i mean there's movies that came out you know 10 years later that look far worse with their cgi than this movie does oh yeah i agree and a huge step up from terminator one i know it is a, sig- yeah, like the, a significant chunk years later the metal skeletons look much much better in this one and like half uh destroyed arnold just looks so much better in this movie yeah and if you notice um something that i wanted to say earlier i gotta bring it up i think we talked about the comparisons between dragon ball z and the terminator in the first movie think about what you mentioned a little bit earlier earlier ryan we have an updated version of these Terminator machines, and usually you would make them more upgraded. Henceforth, they will be larger. He was actually smaller. If you think about Dragon Ball Z, 
uh, throughout the series, they had these androids that visually look super normal, but they were technically far stronger than other ones. So I do think it's interesting, um, given the time period, Dragon Ball Z did exist around this time. I'm not they sure about the android saga. They definitely the Terminator probably in some way. I mean, but right. it's still awesome to see, and yeah. it's okay, right? I think every everything that's creative is inspired by something else, yeah. and they took that. Yeah, I mean, but. Trunks coming from the future to the past, and all like, and you get mich- robots yeah. coming. I mean, Cell is basically the T one thousand. Yeah, in a weird I think we might have had a similar conversation in our last Terminator <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah. about this, and I think it's going to be an ongoing theme because it is it is what we grew up with. So I think it's natural that we sort of uh, do compare one. Uh, with the other now the other thing the action scenes this is maybe the biggest difference in comparison to the first movie even to the very beginning this movie has a lot of similarities where they have the same set pieces but because there's a much higher budget it just has a lot more action in the first one we saw the terminators and all that stuff but it looked very cheesy here it still looked cheesy not gonna lie because it's the future so everything's blue because it's the future i guess where are the but, laser guns man we only got nine years we need those laser guns yeah no kidding but it was so nice in this movie and this is one of my favorite parts of it that they left that at the very beginning you really only see bad Utah or dystopian future once at the beginning of the movie then they leave it in the dust because everything else that you're looking at in the future is those uh sarah connor nightmares it's so yeah. nice. And for God's sakes, will somebody pick up those skulls? Why are they just not right? leaving them all I know. on the ground? Why are there Come on. so many skulls? Good yeah. God. The violence is real, my friend. Like, but can't then, the robots make a bulldozer version yeah. and just plow them have to they, the side or have something? Have they really just not driven the tank that much that, like, those skulls haven't been ground into dust yet? I mean, we'll, we'll find out in nine years. We'll find it's out true. in nine years. I mean, technically, Skynet should have already been self-aware at this point. Long, long past. I mean, I have you seen Keith some of those, like, so. have you seen some of those Boston Dynamic videos that show up on YouTube? We're I real have. close. Yeah. Some we of them look real like... real freaking uh, close. <laughs> if you guys haven't watched Black Mirror yet, you should uh, watch Black Mirror because there actually is an episode about a killer robot and the killer robots actually look eerily similar to the Boston Dynamics robots. I imagine that's not uh, an accident. Probably not. I'll Probably be the first not. to die. <laughs> so, Keith. Yes. Talk to me about these uh, action scenes from that to the beginning. Uh, we get the truck scene, which I forgot how early in the film it actually happened, where Same. Uh, they do try yeah. to chase John. They really so just it happens hit almost the ground running. <laughs> like it is, almost literally. Yeah, you almost, from the beginning of that movie to the very end, it's just action, action, action. And they really just, it's one of those things that they just turned it up a notch with this one where last movie the terminator had shotguns this time he has a minigun and a grenade launcher and yet they still had all of these giant action scenes with giant uh with giant guns and still found a way to incorporate emotion into it like that scene where uh arnold's pulling out the minigun and he kind of does that smile to john connor oh it was so great and then just 
the the ways that they use these weapons in the movie like that minigun scene is one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie just because of how freaking cool it is to just have him going with a minigun just plowing through everything oh it was so cool and then being able and not just relying on explosions when they could have like yes there are a lot of explosions in that movie but like i mentioned earlier there's that scene where he just shoots tear gas grenades at people doesn't kill them but probably destroys every single one of their ribs in the process with those uh with those grenades and just finding fun ways to use weapons that is doing something different than the first terminator movies like i had joked they rely a lot on pistols and shotguns and that's kind of where it plateaued in the first movie up until that last scene where you started throwing in explosions that was the starting point for terminator 2 and they just kept going up and up and up and up and up and then really just had had a lot of fun along the way yeah when it comes to the action scenes i always think of the the truck scene that just always kind of like you say oh terminator 2 action it's it's that scene because it's the first time where they show you how relentless the t-1000 is he's driving that truck and he doesn't give a damn if part of it's getting cut off by the tunnel or he's driving off the bridge to get into that area and chase him i don't know what that thing's called but i remember it was in grand theft auto san andreas and i used to always think of terminator when i drove through it but um yeah, it just shows how completely relentless it is. Also, John Connor's dirt bike is amazing. The no fact kidding. that it's My able God. to outru- oh, like, yeah. outdrive that truck and yeah, and the fact that even though the truck it, like if a truck rammed your little dirt bike, you would be toast. The fact I don't know how he was not able to fall over, but either way, um yeah, like that was a great establishing action scene of just like we stepped the game up. T-1000 is relentless. We got these huge explosions. And then Arnold shows up on his motorcycle, picks him up. It's just, it really set the tone for the movie. It really did. Now, uh, something that we sort of talked about in our end of the year episode where we sort of reacted on some things that worked, some things that didn't work in the podcast is that it's super easy to go back to movies like this, uh, video games like Super Mario World, because it's highly revered. We These episodes would be largely unnecessary if the question was, hey, should you check out uh, The Terminator 2? Of course you should, right? If you look at it on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got an insane score. It's like 93%. So you don't need us to tell you that this is an awesome movie. Now, even the best movies have things that maybe either were not great at the time, or maybe they just don't hold up. Once again, we're talking over two decades, right? Nearly three decades, technically next year. Uh, what would you say if you had to pick something in particular that either it broke the immersion for you guys or it just seemed cheesy, but not in a good way? Because there's the good cheese, and I think there's a lot of it on, on the movie. But I would like to talk about this for a little bit. What would that be for you guys? For me, even though we've been highlighting like the emotional aspects of the movie, I think when it tries to get philosophical a couple of times in the movie, especially in the middle, it seemed very hokey to me. Like, I know you praised the whole monologue of Sarah Connor uh, talking about how, oh, this is the perfect dad for John. It was kind of hokey when you're talking about like, oh, this 
killing machine might end up being the perfect human being and then he goes and shoots eight people in the legs not 20 minutes <laughs> later some of that stuff um didn't resonate well with me or um even though there was a good payoff during the movie itself trying to humanize the terminator and getting philosophical about it like when they were teaching it emotions that was fun but the whole like oh um we're humans, we're not perfect, we feel, we fear, and stuff like that. That part kind of felt very hokey to me, and if I were to put one, like, one stain on this pretty perfect movie, it would be the philo- uh, the philosophical part of it. It's really hard for me, like, I nitpicked the action scene with the dirt bike thing. That's, like, the only thing I could think of. Honestly, I, I feel like anything else is way too minor. I really feel why this is such a revered movie is because it strikes a great balance of being an action movie, but there's a little bit more to it. It's, it's, you know, got that really great pace of, okay, you know, it knows when to slow down, but it never slows down too long that you're bored and just filled with amazing action and a very intriguing story. I just feel like this, there's a reason it's one of the greatest consider one of the greatest movies ever and it's really hard for me to pick things apart aside from really minor things like okay some of the stuff at the beginning with him being a kid it's a little cheesy or his foster parents oh maybe that wasn't the most interesting part or whatever but honestly i i really don't have much to pick apart yeah my point there is an extremely minor one like that's one negative opposed to like 900 positives i would give this movie I think I'm on I'm on the same boat just thinking aside from the T1000 which he's not even the, in the movie that long right so it's not this thing that oh my goodness 40% of the film is ruined no for the time that he's there he's all right I think that uh, the the action scenes they they still hold up because something that this movie does really well even though there are a lot of layers when it comes to the relationships and the actions and the background and the fact that it's a sequel, it's a pretty simple film. He goes back in time. John can't die. John doesn't die. That's pretty much the movie, right? And I feel like because they didn't try to go any farther or more complicated than that, it's just a matter that John got attached to the thing that was trying to save him. So when we go to the end of the movie, It makes a lot of sense, and I love the fact that they did this, where they finally get rid of the T-1000, right? So they melt them down. I love that scene. A lot of really good action. I I just love the feel, feel. completely different to the first one, right? The first one had a laughable ending scene because the CGI or or the the effects that they did, right? It's like uh, stop motion animation. It was so bad, but here they were very careful in when they did it. But once they finally get rid of the T-1000, the fact that the, conversa- the conversation changes to, oh, well, there is one more chip you got to get rid of. And you're like, oh, man, are before they actually uh, going to do it? Before you get too far off that, I would like to give a quick like moment to the, the T-1000's death scene. I think that is a severely underrated part of this movie because you you remember a lot of the foundry scene and a lot of what happens after that death and then the high points in the rest of the movie but that whole uh like screech that the t1000 does and then and he's like transforming and transforming into all the forms and then like there's a thing of 
Sarah Connor dying right before her own eyes. Like, that is a severely underrated part of that movie. I love that so much. And, I wonder like, how a they nice did it. Is, to it. Did they just, like, paint a swimming pool, like, orange or something to, to film that? Maybe. I'd be kind of interested how they, how they did that. That would be really good to see. Uh, but what did you guys think about that, then? Just overall... The fact that they could figure out other ways where he just goes back in time, you know, back to the future yeah. or something. No, well, and he the, doesn't I mean, have the rules lose. are it's it's a one way ticket. There is no BS like, oh, well, hey, we discovered, you know, I'm Tony Stark. I discovered time travel over a weekend. I've got to, you know, send this Terminator back in time. They, you know, I like the Terminator rules. They're very permanent. And for that, it, it honestly complicates things much less than a lot of other time travel movies. And it made sense. It was like you had to have that emotional goodbye, but it fits within what you have to do. We have to destroy any piece of evidence that would ever possibly help create Skynet. So, yeah, you have the thumbs up, the emotional thumbs up of uh, Arnold going into the lava and uh, destroying himself. I thought it was a very fitting way to end it. And if they had stopped it here, you would have thought they stopped Skynet. It's over. Like they mission accomplished. They could yep. have stopped right here. Mission right, accomplished. Right, you, right. Know, you could almost argue it'd money. be better if they did. <laughs> but they got to make yes, some of that money, Ryan. Yes, yeah, some of that money. Mm-hmm. You can't. Unfortunately. You can't give this movie enough praise for being the movie with miniguns and grenade launchers that manages to to capture get, your heart. Yeah, to to really just get that emotional payoff home and deliver it in a way that you're satisfied. That uh that last line from Arnold at the end of the movie of like I know why you cry, but it is something I can never do. That hit me right in the feels. The robot killing machine made my feels go just because <laughs> there was an actual payoff to this whole him inquiring why do you cry and trying to learn all these emotions and then boom they hit it they hit the nail on the head and it was great and then yeah you get that little thumbs up at the end it was a nice little cherry on top and i think this goes back to what ryan and i were saying at the beginning the beginning of the episode where this this is a deep movie think about the fact that throughout the entire film the thing that the terminator most asks john is why because john's like hey do this why do this why so at the end of the movie you just mentioned it he says I know now why you cry. I know now why you feel, basically. But when you find out why, it's time to say goodbye. That is some deep movie stuff. And it it would be so easy to mess it up because, once again, it's not like Arnold was crying in this scene because he can't. But he's aware of why. He answered the question that he had been asking the entire film. And as you mentioned, Ryan, if they closed off the Terminator series whatever with this it may have been one of the perfect movie franchises of all time because you have the bad guy in the first movie who becomes the good guy the savior and then he's gone it would have been amazing i mean they they held off for like over 10 years i think Mm -hmm. but they they couldn't leave well enough alone they couldn't they couldn't hold on man try to get that money So what would you guys say is the legacy piece? We love to talk about this always because there's a reason that people still watch this movie, whereas very little people talk about the first one. Even when we first contemplated doing all this, 
initially we kind of talked about just reviewing the second one then we realized eh, it'd be kind of weird without the first one and then we just said ah we'll, we'll just do the whole thing whatever yeah we're gonna the regret legacy? that in a couple of months oh, oh yeah so, definitely yeah so i would say the legacy of this movie is up there with just how to do a sequel right I mean, you put this up there with Empire Strikes Back as some of the greatest movie sequels of all time. And without question, it'll likely forever be on that list of great movie sequels because guess what? Most movie companies, they mess it up. But Terminator 2, they they just nailed it. Another thing that we didn't really spend too much time talking about that... Uh, I would like to point out because it's such a topic in today's world is Sarah Connor is how you do a strong female character. She is one of the best ever in terms of strong female characters because she's not just this badass for the sake of being badass. A lot of people talk about oh someone like uh, De- um, Ray in Star Wars just kind of being like a Mary Sue, like she's just OP or like Captain Marvel. You fully understand Sarah Connor's struggle from Terminator 1 to Terminator 2 after her experience where she starts off as just the average girl, you know, living with her friends, wanting to, you know, just working and going out partying, whatever. And then this experience turns her into a badass because now she believes this, you know, the apocalypse is essentially coming. She spends all of her time training, preparing, training her son and ends up being considered crazy. But she spent all this time preparing and then her time to shine basically comes and she's got all the weapons. She's ready to go. Uh, so I think Sarah Connor will forever be one of the greatest female characters in a movie, especially, you know, for female action heroes. And I, I think that's another legacy that needs to be remembered today on how to make strong action heroes today that is a really really good point yeah i'm curious <laughs> yeah. how uh i'm curious how because she's in terminator dark fate right i wonder she how is. that went i, I guess d- we'll find out in a couple the, months i think <laughs> we'll there's some out. timey-wimey bullshit that i don't <laughs> i don't know so let's let's go in cold right like let's oh, not yeah, read absolutely. about it we'll get there in a couple months I haven't seen a Terminator movie past three, so there's going to be a lot of going in Neither cold for me. And I'm, I have uh, seen I'm Salvation. I've seen Salvation. We'll Which get is there. the one with Christian Bale? Is that yes, Salvation? That is the oh, okay. that is like the full future only Christian Bale one. So if you love the future, <laughs> at least yeah, at oh least boy. the CGI is better. But um, I yeah. think that would be a good for, a good review just to hear Keith's perspective yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> of like if he hates the future stuff, yeah. there's a movie that is completely in the future. I'm I wonder, excited for that one now. <laughs> it makes me wonder what the skull budget for that movie will be. <laughs> oh, probably just ten millions and just the skulls on the floor alone, because because apparently that makes it cool. But Ryan. I think you you pretty much brought it up. Like, I think that what you said is even understated by just thinking about the fact that 1991. So think of how far back this is. And I think that one of my critiques in a lot of movies, and this is obviously a very sensitive topic, is that you can tell when somebody's being forced into that protagonist role. And I think there you have the director, the writer, and also the actor, right? Like those three things, if they don't mesh and one of them is off, you can have the right line, but with the wrong delivery, it just kills the movie, it kills the vibe, it kills the feel. But here, 
it made logical sense. Sarah Connor, I would say, is the most logical character in an action movie because put yourself in her shoes. She's a mom trying to care for her child. You see freaking Terminator trying to terminate and do all these things. So when he comes now, it makes perfect sense that you would be hesitant. You would be, you know, in that defensive mode. But then you're also able to realize, hey, I was wrong. I made a mistake. And that part of movies rarely, rarely happens. Usually, they kind of just like let it go. But he or she openly had that scene that Keith, as you mentioned, was a little campy. Yeah, it's 1981. And I think that's part of what's going to end up happening sometimes. But it made logical sense. No, exactly. And like put this up against other movies in 1991. I doubt many hold up as, as good as this one. You know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. There's, you can, like there's nothing that ruins the movie that's like too outwardly campy. You know, you get little moments here and there, but never enough to ruin it. Agreed. Like I said, all of the things that I mentioned that were negatives are very, very minor comparison or compared to the great parts of this movie because it managed to do... At this point in 1991, Arnold Schwarzenegger was known as an action star. He had Commando, Predator, The Terminator, all under his belt. But they managed to add that emotional layer. And I think this is why another part of the legacy of this movie, it is the measuring stick for action movies. You are either, if you are one of the greats, you are either better than Terminator 2 or you are worse than Terminator 2. That is how you are measured. Because not only did they manage to make the cool gun scenes, but they managed to tell a concisive emotional story along the way. It made it in a world where it was cool to be the one-note action movie, especially up to that point in 1991. They managed to do something else with it. They managed to do something better with it. And I think that's why this movie is so highly revered and, in my opinion, is the measuring stick for action movies. Like, compare this against a Rambo, where like this movie maybe not as extreme as like a Rambo, movie but it's in the it's in the same ballpark as far as like weaponry and stuff but you don't revere rambo the same way you do terminator just because of the extras that it managed to uh, add on to that genre of movie instead of just being the let's do the cool killing things i think uh one of the takeaways at least for me that kind of goes with what both of you have been saying we did a review about Royal Rumble 2000. That was the previous episode before this one. When we talked about wrestling there in 2000 as opposed to 2020, they did less, but it meant more. And Mm -hmm. this movie, even though people talk about it as an action movie, but if you chop it down piece by piece, the action parts are probably less than 50% of this movie. But when they happen, you kind of just like hold onto your seat. You're like, okay, here we go. It's about to happen. And it matters so much because every action scene that we mentioned has been of great significance from the truck, the machine gun, the beginning part about the future, the closing part of the film. If you just had this nonstop, just violent experience throughout the movie, eventually you kind of become desensitized and it's like, uh, okay, cool. Another scene. AKA but here they made like sure a it Transformers made sense. movie or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Because eventually, you can pour all the money and all the explosions, which you even brought up, Keith, but when you have 20 explosions, they kind of blend in. When you have one or two, those are the ones that you remember. And I think a lot of movies, even though this one came out in 1981, still to this day, struggle to realize just because you you can doesn't mean you should. 
So we actually looked up some interesting information about the movie. And this first one, I speculated about it because I was like, wait a minute, is he a little bit older throughout the film? And reading this, I was like, hey, I was not wrong. So production took a sufficiently long that Edward Furlong visibly aged during the shoot. He is clearly much younger in the desert, for instance, than in other scenes. His voice began to break and had to be pitched to one level in post-production. That's got to be maybe the hardest part of a child actor in a film where you don't know what the voice is going to be like in six Puberty months Puberty is to just a, year. a killer. My God. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I didn't really notice that. In the de- that desert scene, it is, you can tell with the hair, they try really hard to keep him looking young and all that stuff. Yeah. But I mean, how many kids, like they grow up, but they become maybe like an inch taller, so it's not noticeable, but others grow dramatically. So you're like, whoa, we, we got to do some stuff to hide this. So we got three more uh, quick facts. And one of them is actually tied to a movie that we brought up earlier. So regarding the graphical stuff about the movie, they had to grow from six artists to 36 to accommodate all the work required to bring the T-1000 to life, costing $5.5 million and taking eight months to produce, which ultimately amounted to 3.5 minutes of screen time. Think about well, that. But all you know of what? that money and time, 3.5 minutes. From the jump that the T-1000 took from Terminator to Terminator 2, I'm going to say that's money extremely well spent. Even, yeah. So what? You only got three and a half minutes out of it. Those were good. The majority three of it and a half had to minutes. be for that floor scene where he comes up out of the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, undoubtedly. That was like, we're going for the special effects Oscar this year effect that I think they were going for. <laughs> and then that helicopter hey. stuff, that was good stuff. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. So another one, according to James Cameron, Linda Hamilton suffered permanent hearing loss in one ear during the elevator shootout because she had not replaced her earplugs after removing them between takes. Yikes. Oof. That's, that sucks. That sucks really real hard. bad. <laughs> and yeah, then especially the last in an one, elevator. Yeah. 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 And then the last one, the minigun, this is about the minigun, Keith, used in the film, was the same minigun that was used in Predator, also starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) See, that's freaking awesome. I love that stuff about movies where they try to have a little bit of Easter eggs between films. That is super special. It's that or Hollywood only has one minigun they can rent (laughs) out. (laughs) Yeah, I guess they just didn't go to Miniguns R Us and find a new one for this movie. Say, hey, people, this one cost us $2 million. We got to make our money's worth. So uh, keep it going. Keep it going. Now, we've talked about this. We know that from this point onward, things may not get uh, all that great. How, how excited or curious are you? Uh, I've watched Terminator 3. That was technically one that I watched before even the first one, I think. And from my recollection, we'll see what happens. I thought it was okay. I will in no way say it was a great film, but I remember thinking, eh, it, was, it was solid. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you where I remember it. I remember it being an all right movie with one cool scene, but the thing I'm having trouble wrapping my head around and I'm excited to see how they figure it out is I totally forgot how nicely of a bow T2 puts on this franchise about Sarah Connor getting old and then hanging out with her grandkids and how Judgment Day happened but never came. I cannot remember at all how T3 goes, well, actually. And I'm kind of. They cop out. 
I yeah. won't say anything more, but they cop out. I like, imagine it's a efforts. really hard yeah. cop out on that one, and I'm excited to be disappointed, I guess, by what they do there. If we're curious mm. about that, I cannot yeah. wait about the Matrix, because with the new one, things don't make sense, but we're, we're going to find yeah. out eventually once we'll, that we'll figure out what they do with that. But I, I just remember, and I'm sure we'll talk it a ton for T3. It's like, T3, what I remember is, hey, it's T2, but way more mediocre, <laughs> like, essentially. So <laughs> yeah. get ready that for that was, one. Was that, yeah, was that on the box? It's T2, but we got a coffin yeah, that, with Yeah, that guns. should be their tagline. Hey, <laughs> it's T2, but worse. It's all I remember about that movie. There's a coffin filled with guns, and then the Terminator's a lady, and I think it's, yeah, like, the, the Terminatrix TX or something. Yeah, the Terminatrix. So everybody watching and listening, uh, please let us know uh, what you thought about Terminator 2 as we begin the road now to uh, Terminator 3. As we mentioned, this is not going to be a weekly basis, so expect the episodes every couple of weeks, maybe about a month, especially as the movies get worse. I think uh, we're going to be like, can can we hold on just a week? Just a week, people. To quote the great Anakin Skywalker, this is where the fun begins. So, and the power just went out in my home. Oh, no. So, people, uh, Ryan and Keith cannot hear me, but I'm closing the episode off right now because I'm still recording. So, if you like this podcast, leave a five-star review on your favorite app of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Facebook. I can't take it to Ryan and Keith because, once again, the power is out. Oh, my goodness. Battery's about to run out. So, up until next time. We will be back with another exciting episode of a cast to the past. Living in Puerto Rico sucks right now, people. Power goes out all the freaking time. But hey, we still managed to get a podcast out there for you. Take care, everybody.